Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, a special look at how COVID-19 is impacting the entire industry, but there is a silver lining for some. Channel 9 goes all out to destroy its competition. Just wait until you hear what they've done. And which dance partner was jumping for joy when they found out they wouldn't have to reunite with their celebrity partner? Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to TV Black Box. What is that? <laughs> the worst accent I've ever heard. I I am known I'm in India. <laughs> I am Rob, known. if you're in there, can you talk to us? He's I been am... watching way too much English Breakfast TV. <laughs> I have. I, I am famously known for not being able to do accents at all. And my father is from, is a Liverpudlian and I can't even do his accent. I went out on a limb and I wow. tried something. So sorry to everyone. It won't Best happen again. Best intro ever. Uh, it just no. did and I appreciated it. That's amazing. Um, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but I'm Rob McKnight and you can find me at Rob <laughs> underscore McKnight on social media. And I'm joined by actress Sarah Monaghan, who is locked up on a ranch somewhere in the middle of America trying to get a signal out. Hello, Sarah. Are you there? Uh, almost. Uh, I'm currently sitting in a trailer on a hill that has no power. Um, it's <laughs> far, it's just gone 6 a.m. There's no light. Uh, there's, that's why I didn't bother with video because you can't see me anyway. And um, there was copperheads outside. Oh, wow. So you're living in a caravan now. Things are going well. <laughs> trailer, trailer, trailer. This is our bug out shelter for the apocalypse. God. <laughs> um, yeah. But my Plus, trailer is down the hill, which has power, but no internet. So I had to come up to the in-laws trailer and their power went out a couple days ago. So um, we need to do this really quickly before my laptop runs out. All right. So okay. if we lose Sarah uh, throughout the podcast, she hasn't been boned. You will understand what's happened. Um, our, or oh. she's been eaten <laughs> by a crocodile. Okay. Sack. You know. Uh-huh. Thanks, I don't think. Okay. I don't think Dad knows what boned means. I think we just proved that point. <laughs> Or maybe she has been boned. Who can say? My husband is here with me in the dark. (laughs) Well, let's get it all on record then. I think this is my favourite episode ever already. Hey, look, we also have the viewers' advocate, and you know what, Mulky Mulk, Stevie Mulk, we have to try and have some fun because it's a bad time in the TV industry at the moment. You can find this guy at Mulk's TV Talk. Hello, Mulky. Uh, Football, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Good evening, Rob. Hello, Mulk. It's good to be here. It's great to be alive. I am absolutely 100% coronavirus free and I haven't left the house house in days. Ah, Big Brother winner Benjamin Norris. He's here too. Just search Benjamin J Norris on the socials. Hello, Benjamin. I hope that someone searches for me so so that I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) How many times a day do you Google yourself? And I mean Google in the literal term of typing into Google. Well, actually, I learned this from Sarah because one of the podcasts she just let slip that she sets up Google alerts for her name. And I was like, oh, wow, I could do that. Don't we all do that? I didn't have that before. It's random how it sends out alerts, though, because my husband gets the alerts always the day before I do. (gasps) What? weird. Yeah. What? Maybe he's secret spy. Anyway, Sarah, I have to say thank you for that because now I get alerts whenever I'm in the media, which is, you know, maybe once a week if I'm lucky. I, I just assumed everyone had a Google alert on themselves. Uh, look, joining us once again is Gosh. the 
media writer and journo about town, the man who will bring some class and sophistication to this mm, episode. Please, Although he you. couldn't be here, so we have Stephen Brook, who you can find <laughs> it on Twitter at Viscount Brookie. Hello, Brookie. <laughs> Hi, I'm self-isolating. In fact, I've just written a fitness column oh, wow. about how to work out at home. Ah, is it just you? So, is it just you looking at video footage of Matthew the Bachelor? <laughs> no, I can imagine no, you working no. yourself out I, real I've hard over that one. I've moved beyond that. No, All right. Um, so watch out for that in the coming days. I, I think we every. Shall. I think everyone's got cabin fever. I think uh, <laughs> coronavirus is, with everyone self-isolating, I think this is probably everyone's, <laughs> seems to be our first interaction with other human beings and it's showing. But look, let's move on to the news in a slightly different format this week as we do start off by focusing on COVID-19 and the impact it's having on the television industry. And look, the news isn't good as more productions are shut down as a direct result of the virus. Producers of the block have sent all contestants home from the work site, only leaving some construction workers in place to ensure structural integrity of some homes. SBS was forced to shut down its Sydney newsroom after an employee informed management they had tested positive to COVID-19. A quick scramble saw a shortened version presented out of Canberra and Channel 10 has advised it has stopped production on its romantic TV reality show. But unlike other shows, The Bachelor will make the production shutdown part of the storyline, as executive producer Stephen Tate explained to Carl and Jackie O. But look, we're looking at ways to keep the show alive. Um, everybody's now dating virtually um, because of what's going on. I'm oh, sure you brilliant. two are. You're both single. Yeah. Well, so what are we doing? Yeah. Virtual dating. Uh, isn't that just swipe right and someone comes around and hops on? <laughs> Except yeah. for the coming around bit. <laughs> oh, that's right, the isolation. So are you going to film those dates while they isolate? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually working through that at the moment. We're calling it Love in Lockdown. I love it. Oh, that's interesting. So you are going to carry on, but they're not just going to—they're not going to be in the house because they can't be, right? Correct. Sarah, is this a good idea, or will we be completely over COVID nineteen when this finally gets to air? I think we'll be over it, but at the same time, it'll be fascinating to see because next time we have a pandemic, because let's face it, we're going to have more and more. Um, people will know what to do next time. Ah, good point. Um, Mocha, are you looking forward to The Bachelor in Lockdown? Look, I really am, and how fortunate that their bachelor's nickname is Lockie. Um, oh. I, thanks very much. I, I am uh, – look, I'm keen to see how they integrate it, honestly, but jeepers creepers, there will be some red-hot, ready-to-go boys and girls when uh, they're allowed back next <laughs> to each other, won't there be? <laughs> A hundred percent. I was just going to say that Corona is probably not the worst thing we've seen an Australian bachelor date, you know, on that show. <laughs> it sounds a bit like they're, uh, they've been inspired by TV Blackbox's favourite TV format, The Circle, by ah. having people interacting and not actually meeting. Well, maybe, maybe they could get one of the bachelorettes to catfish. That would be hilarious. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't, like, God, don't well, roll. at least we don't have to have all those scenes where people are grossly kissing. I know, True. they'll come. There'll be a, just a whole episode of just Lockie kissing all the girls. Hmm. It'll be like that thing on Skype where you hit the button and the love heart appears. <laughs> <laughs> Well, moving on, and another shutdown has been confirmed with news the publishers of TV Week are cancelling the ceremony for this year's Logies. The 62nd annual TV Week Logie Awards was to have been held on Sunday, June 28, at the Star Gold Coast, with the broadcast to be telecast on 9. The decision to cancel the event comes at a time when networks are desperate to isolate on-air talent and important production teams, particularly in the various news divisions. While the ceremony has been cancelled, TV Week has indicated it will still look to present the awards in some form. Ben, it has to be done, but it is a bit sad, isn't it? Especially for all those Coke dealers on the Gold Coast. Oh, <laughs> I know. What? I wonder if they'll... Well, they put $250, like, heaps $250 lots into all the ATM machines at the Star Casino ready for... Is $250 the going rate for cocaine? I don't know. But what, I, <laughs> no, what I would say, though, is I'm so disappointed for all those reality TV contestants that will only ever be in one show and get to go oh, to one Logies. they miss out. They won't get to see what, like, I saw. I got to end up in a hotel room having a very interesting conversation with smoking a bong and wearing a leather chaps. <laughs> oh, okay. 
We we just heard a bleep. But what wow. just happened? What a name what to drop. just happened? I was there waiting for uh, a friend of mine who was currently on <laughs> at the time for her line of cocaine in the bathroom and turned around to see <laughs> smoking a bong, wearing a leather vest, <laughs> and I had an hour-long conversation with <laughs> And let me tell you, when he smokes a bong, his chin wobbles twice as fast. <laughs> Oh so many God. bleeps. Wow. So many bleeps. <laughs> so if this ever gets to air, I'd uh-huh. just like to point out that my name is Steve Mock and I take no uh, responsibility <laughs> for anything that has just been said. It's all alleged. Oh, you chicken. Allegedly <laughs> happened. I. It's a serious topic, but I am loving the effect COVID-19 is having on TV wow. Black Box. Meanwhile, in all seriousness, 79 screen productions have been halted or delayed, according to Screen Australia CEO Graham Mason, and he warns there will be permanent job losses in the entertainment industry once the coronavirus pandemic has passed. As reported by if.com.au, Mason says some employees will not be here on the other side of the crisis, highlighting widespread stand-downs as TV drama productions halted, the loss of 17,000 jobs after cinemas closed and mass layoffs at Fox Studios Australia-based firms. And this is the point, isn't it, Brookie? The longer this goes on, the more chances companies will fold, leading to fewer jobs when this crisis is over. I do think the industry will be substantially smaller when the crisis is over and it will take an awful long time for it to crank back into speed. Some of those productions that are cancelled, we just won't be able to get back for various reasons to do with the employees, the supply chain, the commissioning budgets, etc, etc. So whilst the network's going to be saving money because of cancelled productions, they're actually spending a lot Mm. covering this crisis Mm -hmm. with extra news programs, etc, etc, Plus, of course, as we've previously talked about, the advertising is in a terrible position. So I think that he's right to be gravely concerned. His fears are going to turn out, sadly, to be justified. But could be this? Could this be the great purge that we need? Oh, that's interesting. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of fluff that needs to go. There's a lot of crap TV that's just holding on because it was there. So maybe this is the time that we get rid of all of the shit garbage TV and people decide that, you know, we actually, I'm sorry, that's a donkey. My God. What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on? Sarah, is the donkey smoking a bomb? (laughs) Is it in the room with you? It's right outside. Are you safe, Sarah? Is it right outside? What? My mother-in-law warned me this could happen. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm crying with laughter. Anyway. You couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. So right in the middle of my very important thought... um, yeah, no, there's a lot of shit TV on and um, a lot of it could afford to die and go away. And now that we're all locked and trapped inside watching TV, we all realise there's a lot of shit TV on and that we could use some really good television. So maybe this I is... I was just going to say the exact same thing. This is you the know, purge I think we it's need. the reset. Well, there may, you know, this may be the great purging for, for some of the TV that doesn't need to continue. Certainly, uh, um, at least in Australia, but absolutely around the globe, TV programmers are biting their nails to the quick, hoping above hopes that this actually doesn't go as lo- on as long as it looks like it's going to, because mm. while they do have stuff in the can now, they have massive holes in their schedule to fill, as we discussed last week, um, that they're just not going to be able to keep up on. Certainly, let's mm. let's hypothesise and say that shut, you know, the production shutdowns go for the next, look, six weeks conservatively. Let's say that happens. Mm. You're not getting stuff to air for the middle of the year. That's right. And that's why we know that um, the latest is on instead of Home and Away. They Because Home and Away shut down, they want to try and conserve episodes and while people want information, the latest at 7 o'clock works. And speaking of that, there's certainly been an upside to the way our life is being shut down, at least for the TV networks, which have seen a dramatic rise in viewer numbers for the breakfast and evening news programs. Malk, you are our numbers man. What can you tell us here? Uh, thanks, Roberto, and welcome everyone to the age of the unprecedented. As I mentioned last week, in the midst of a crisis, news means big business. Both 7 and 9's 6pm bulletins have drawn over 1.1 million viewers 
every night. Amazing. Each. In fact, Seven's topped out Sunday night at 1.3. That's huge numbers. Yeah. Uh, Seven have been winning each of those nights, just by the way. It is massive. Uh, and just while we're talking about it, of course, all of the, the figures we quote, uh, Oztam, Five City Metro, and Overnights Only. Tens first at five news, sits in the early 500s on average uh, and is up slightly week on week, though nowhere like its commercial big sisters. Uh, and the project is seeing a lift, particularly in its 7pm half hour. So that's doing great guns. I think, if I recall correctly, on average 100 to 200k better mm. than it was doing a month ago. Right. Because they're going hard like everybody is telling the CV-19 story. Add to that, both 7 and 9 are delivering nightly COVID-19 updates. Uh, the former, badged as an early evening version of the latest, and now with added Melissa Doyle. Remember her? Mm-hmm. And the latter <laughs> as a late night update post-MAFs. Nine's offering benefits from the reality bubble, and it is 300 to 500K ahead of 7's offering at 7pm, which is getting smashed by a current affair, itself now running six nights a week, and from tonight, Tracy Grimshaw broadcasting from home. Yeah, how interesting was that? And what was also interesting about that is the interview with Josh Frydenberg was pre-recorded, and they elected Mm. to leave in the technical troubles in the plasma behind her to make a big deal about the fact she was working at home. That could have easily been edited out. That's why you pre-record. But that was an editorial decision. And a bad one. I, I just think it was worthy of noting. But Mo, yes. um, Melissa Doyle on the latest. So here we have Michael Usher's pet project. Yep. He's forced, fostered this as a late night news service. It's now got its primetime gig. He does the first night by himself, goes gangbusters. And then the executives well, say... Reasonably. Let's well, not get over ourselves here. Well, it did pretty well. It, it did, it did better, better than, than My Kitchen, kitchen rules, rules was doing in the time slot. Yeah, um, but still nowhere near maths numbers. Like on no, average, no, no, half of it. I think seven would be ecstatic that a, a program that costs them next to nothing is yeah, actually doing those sure. kind of numbers. So that's when I say gangbusters. That's what yep. I mean. But how is it that on night two, they pull Michael into the office and say, "Ah, oh, mate, we reckon Mel Doyle needs to be part of this." Or why? She's on contract. You know, we're paying her and she's doing nothing. Yeah, we're paying, she's doing nothing. So Mel Doyle, and, you know, both are great presenters, but you couldn't blame Michael, and I feel it comes through. There's a bit of resentment having to share that desk Mm. for what was his little pet project. That's the way I see it anyway. But Isn't it better for business to leave uh, Melissa Doyle at home? No, like Melissa, isn't even the, she's popular, like isn't, mate. Uh, is she? Don't underestimate. Yeah. She, when she went out of Sunrise, she was still very, very popular. Don't underestimate Mel's pulling power. Seriously, when she was hosting TT in Sydney today, tonight, back in the day, it was rating really well under her, if not winning. I can't quite remember. But Mel is... I I would never underestimate us older folk like her. <laughs> Mel, oh. Mel Mel is liked by a lot of the viewing public. She's like that auntie that I sat next to at a Christmas party once and was like, "I'm never sitting next to her again." Like, yeah, but the awkward she's... hot one. Oh really? You find her sexy? I think she's oh quite my pretty. God. She's doing all right. Can we have a TV sexy black box? Which is actually that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I, she has altered the tone of that show yes. the latest, I think. She's kind of melded it up a bit, which has made it a bit more casual, a bit more informal. Uh, Sunrise you know, at she's, night. She's kind of like a soccer mum, isn't she? Mm. She's yeah. very from, which she herself will say, she's from the burbs and clearly female viewers can relate to that. Michael Usher, a bit more of a serious, hard-nosed mm. yep. presenter. Which is a bit like throwing chalk and cheese together. Is it a good thing? No. It's very interesting because the whole show has become like refugees from Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, of course, you've got Denon, Hitch- Denon Hitchcock there as well. It's, look, crazy times. Anyway, uh, now it's time to ring the bell. Wow, that's a big bell. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, Brookie's pulled his bell out. Yeah, I see, Brookie. Well, yeah. It's... A, it's I think yours is bigger, just quietly. That's not a euphemism, folks. <laughs> oh. um, I thought some... that was the donkey's bell from Sarah's phone. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> we've got it's some, back. We've Song. got some good news for the Today Show. 
And we've got some bad news too. Last week, we saw Nine's Brecky Show tip over 300,000 viewers on Monday and average awesome. 265,000 for the remaining four days. That is the highest it's seen all year and the best numbers it's had in nearly two years. That is a great result Huzzah! for the Today Show. Well done, guys. There was another record set last week too. The ABC's breakfast program tipped 303,000 viewers on Monday. It was in third behind Today Behind Sunrise, which, by the way, was a massive morning for Seven's program at 379,000 viewers. Amazing. And all of this coming, of course, off the back of um, the Prime Minister's very late press conference on Sunday night. So, you know, Monday morning, everyone was in for the analysis. And that 303 for ABC Breakfast set a new record for the Michael Rowland Lisa Miller fronted program. And it had been building the prior week too, setting record after record. After Monday last week, though, the team saw blue sky and slipped neatly into second place, beating today, Tuesday to Friday, and coming second for the week overall. Now, that's amazing news and congratulations to News Breakfast. This is not a good result for Channel 9 and today, no matter how anyone tries to write that down. Yep. You are now third. Do you know what was weird as well was when I was watching the Today Show this morning, uh, Carl got it wrong twice, you know, referring to stage four instead of stage three Um in, uh, which I think is a huge blunder. Like he, he had to be corrected twice by Ali to, and he was like, so yeah, we're into stage four. And she was like stage three. And it was like, mm. that sort of stuff, you know, just comes across so badly to people who are obviously the increase in breakfast is, is there because people are searching for information. I just found that to be really lazy and he looked really lazy about it as well. Like, it, and you'd think that that terminology would be under lock and key, you know? Well, are you trying to suggest he's losing heart because he's not because he's falling third behind ABC News, or it's not firing the way he hoped it would? I don't just think he's got. I don't know what's going on. Like, I I wonder whether or not it's the fact that he has a new management that they're going to try and move him over to America to see if he can get work there. But for whatever reason, I felt like he was going to. You know what? It has bolted for him, and that's a really sad situation because I really do like Carl. But for some reason, I went back to watching the Today Show because I really like Carl and I really wanted to watch him with Ali and I really want to root for him. But it's just coming across, and especially, like, you're not supposed to say this, but, like, in Breakfast Radio in central Queensland, when there was a cyclone, it kind of is an exciting time for the announcer to prove who you are and yes. to become that's like true. a, that's a very con- true. to become a conduit to the listeners that are out there and give them the right information and be their lifeline. And it's, it's coming across like he doesn't care at, at a time when this is probably the biggest thing that'll ever happen to any of us that are alive at this time. And Yet he's reading it like he's talking about, you know, entertainment news. Like, feel free during entertainment news to accidentally call Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelina Jolie or whatever, but you can't really be on the morning show saying it's stage four when in actual fact they've just announced stage three in Victoria. You know, it's a bit of a blunder. Yeah, look, I actually think that's fair enough. I do want to offer huge congrats to all the Brecky teams who have clearly been working hard to deliver timely and correct Mm. content stage four slash stage three stuff aside, uh, to their growing Mm. audiences as more of us work from home and are able to catch the programs rather than commute. This is the last week before the Easter ratings break. Not that that matters. Um, Certainly not anymore. Uh, It's going to be very interesting come 9am each day when the ratings come out and you can get all of that info at tvblackbox.com.au or at the Twitter at tv underscore blackbox. Thanks, Mark. Uh, thank you for doing that analysis. You always know the numbers, so I always appreciate you uh, giving us the rundown there. Look, uh, and moving on, despite promos declaring that we'll all get through this crisis together, it seems the networks are playing hardball when it comes to sporting codes not delivering games for broadcast. Oof. The Australian has already reported the NRL is set to miss out on its first quarterly payment worth $90 million from broadcasters Nine Entertainment and Foxtel, which say they will not bail out the code if it risks financial ruin. 
The paper also reports NRL officials were told there would be no payment if the competition did not continue. The AFL is in the same boat and set to lose about $100 million of broadcast revenue coming in each quarter from its deal with Seven West Media and Foxtel, which will now not be paid as a result of the league shutting down. Sarah, business is business, but these are extraordinary times. Should networks be paying for games they can't broadcast? No. I mean, I don't like sport anyway, but uh, no, I don't watch it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, if you're not, why would you pay for something you're not getting? And I, I, I actually do think that's fair enough. There's always been something about the sports that they always feel that they're um, need to be looked after. The, NR, the NRL is asking for a $200 million bailout. And, Mark, doesn't it come a time when, you know, they get all this money. They've been riding high on sports broadcasting rights because they have made so much money from the networks and the biddings for the rights. Yeah. Um, it doesn't it? Isn't it fair enough that they have to stand up on their own feet when they're not delivering the goods? Look, I, I think so. I mean, I'm not privy to the finer points of the contracts, though I would offer that there would be probably not a lot of thought or only even passing thought in those contracts being written to a time when maybe the NRL or AFL seasons couldn't deliver games. Like, Well, it's with, obviously in there because the, these companies are not having to pay. These networks and, are not having to pay because the those sporting codes have not met their sure. obligations. Oh, no, no. This is why we pay lots of money to lawyers, right? Because mm. they think of all of the things that can happen and then they write in clauses to make sure that if it happens, something, something. Um, the thing that we, of course, have to underscore in this is it sounds great in part, I mean, not for the NRL or the AFL, but for nine and seven to say, well, we don't have to make our $90 million, $100 million payments. Um, awesome. They're saving some money. But the revenue that they would have been like lining up to bank yes. off the top of that spend, you would expect is easily double that and they're now not getting that. That's it. Well, I'll tell you the hottest thing in global sport at the moment is uh, Belarus <laughs> soccer because it's one of the few tournaments that is still in existence and all these cable networks in Europe are saying <laughs> it. Well, wear. I mean, they survived Chernobyl. They'll on survive coronavirus. Serious, <laughs> on a more serious note, this is really it. This is it for sport in Australia mm. in its current form. We're a small population we have poured incredible money mm. into these tournaments nrl afl they will not be able to bounce back in their current form we cannot play pay the players the fortunes yeah. that they have been getting we cannot pay the administrators Raylan castle is taking a 50 percent pay cut she's the woman who runs rugby australia from her eight hundred thousand dollar a year salary i just think yeah. those days are gone and uh, we should remember that everyone thinks that these tournaments are just going to go on and on and on. I predict teams mm. may well Clubs be will fold. There's no question. Some might fold before that happens. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the days of the Newtown yep. Jets God bless and the North Sydney Bears, which were part of the NRL, mm. gone for good into lower-grade competitions. And uh, the TV networks aren't paying for these sports because yeah, they can't afford it. to pay for them. And the craziness we saw over the past five years of these billion-dollar yep. contracts for the NRL, AFL and cricket, I also think, are uh, gone with the wind. So it's going to involve... It was so interesting the couple of weeks ago when Peter Volandis came out and just said yeah, rub, the government has shoulders, to pay yeah. us millions because we are the mm. NRL and... It would be un-Australian for the NRL to not exist. I think he's had a very severe yeah, reality check. And I note today that the AFL has gone to ANZ and NAB and has got a $600 million line of credit, which just, with all the billions sloshing around these sports, they have seemingly no. put nothing aside for a rainy day. Well, while the sporting codes might be doing it tough, COVID-19 has been a boom time for streaming and catch-up services and it seems each is trying to lure customers in with early releases and shows which haven't even been broadcast yet. Rocky, what are they doing? Well, basically, Rob, they are tearing up their release schedules. Yes, streamers, it's not just supermarkets, streamers are the other big winners from this pandemic because we're all stuck at home and watching a lot more television. One of the biggest moves was actually one of the earliest. That was Disney Plus, 
which added the blockbuster Frozen 2 to its streaming service just weeks after the home video release, and that's about three months earlier than it otherwise would have. Disney Plus is now going to launch its Pixar film Onward, with starring the voice of Chris Pratt on April 24. That's because it spent only a week in local cinemas due to all the cinemas getting closed because of coronavirus. The government has been involved in talks with both Netflix and Stan to try and get both companies to reduce their streaming data just to try and shore up the system so that uh, everyone can watch without any technical difficulties. Another interesting fact, CanStar is reporting that Netflix has quietly dropped its free month-long trial introductory offer. Wow. So if you sign up now for Netflix straight in Australia, you've got to pay straight mm. away. Ten Play has been very interesting in this space. It's been dropping yeah. quite a lot of shows early. So there are a multitude of variants of Survivor, direct from the All US. All old ones. But what is new, thank you, Molk, is Ten's version of Drunk History and season two of its comedy drama How to Stay Married before they actually screen on Australian television. Yeah, mm, this is interesting. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I think, great, if you're a bit of a Survivor fan, Ben, you can watch all these different versions of the show, but I just think the fact that they are showing drunk history and How to Stay Married now means that it's just got lost in the general hubbub, don't you? Oh, I don't know. Like, I think that this, look, with everyone staying home and everyone having such a huge need for more content and content they might not have seen, I think for reruns like US Survivor, definitely throw that in there and, and let people watch that. I did feel how, that How to Stay Married is the, the being treated badly by just being thrown away. Like, I felt like it needed a little bit more fanfare, especially seeing as it's a quality show. Yeah. But as for repeats of any yeah. other shows, you know, put them out there. There's people out there that have probably never seen those seasons of Survivor who will probably enjoy it while they're at home. And I think that's the thing that we should be looking at is trying to make sure that we can give people entertainment at home and they're looking after themselves. Uh, yeah, look, I think that 10 are in an interesting predicament. By giving us drunk history and how to stay married too, uh, I think it's the reverse of what we would normally say, where we'd say they're trying to burn it off or, you know, they don't really trust mm. it. They're trying to draw us in to a to a system, in this case 10 Play, that they gutted when they released 10 All Access. Mm. They moved everything, multiple episodes, whole seasons over to 10 All Access. You have to pay for it. If you want to mm. do anything on 10 Play, you get maybe the most recent ep. And by dropping this stuff on there, they are reinvigorating a platform that people have largely forgotten and ignored uh, and have been using 7 Play, iView, SBS On Demand 9 now, sorry, 7 Plus, um, because they've just got content all of the places and no one's hiding anything behind paywalls. I don't know. Like, I feel like the drunk history and how to stay married is just going to get lost. These aren't shows that are going to draw people to. I mean, they're quality shows. They deserve to be watched, and I hope people watch them. But they're certainly not a loss leader to a streaming service. I'm sorry, there's they're not. something going on though. Ten are changing direction, and they've always yep. used their catch up numbers to prop up the ratings of their free to air broadcast shows. Yep. This is interesting from the point of view that it is a big deal to launch a whole series on one of the catch-up services before it's aired on free-to-air television. Series. Yeah, and I feel Ten are making a big play for catch-up. They, I don't think Ten All Access has gone very well. I no, haven't seen any numbers it, on that. and But the, uh, the anecdotally, no, it's just not a topic of conversation anywhere. But Ten, ten Play um, used to be a... A place a lot of people went to, you know, for new episodes of The Bachelor and things like that. But it's interesting. <laughs> I think the donkey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
disagrees with you, Robert. A lot of people who listen to TV Black Box every week is going to say that Donkey's delivered more content than I have, so look, I'll take it. <laughs> I just think if you are putting drunk history along with you know, five other seasons of Survivor, you are in effect But it's a new series it. every day. Even they are making sure you... that they're telling people, or at least they're telling us to tell people, that there's a new thing every day for 10 days that they are getting full seasons of content out there. It's not just a couple of teaser eps. They are they've pivoted hard and trying to draw interest back to something that has been Mold, left to fail. We are dealing with a pandemic out on the streets there. That message sure, is, is getting Absol- lost. But that's the problem for all of the broadcast networks. The message is getting lost because all we've done is revert back reflex into our streaming if, services if, that we know if and love. You- if you wanted to boost 10 play, surely the quickest and easiest thing to do would be to put Buy some billboards. the finale of Survivor, mm-hmm. Australian Survivor, on 10 play 24 hours before it's free. <laughs> wow, Brookie. Because that is going That's, to uh, draw Brookie, that is audacious. It's a big play and... I will salute the programmer that does something yeah. like that because that's a huge play. That's a great idea. I it's think a great it's a good idea. idea. Make, make some bold decisions and, you know, reward people for using these services. Hey, look, interestingly, the coronavirus has forced many productions to get very creative and TV Black Box can exclusively reveal some shows still in production have been shooting the grand final episodes before the series has finished being shot. What the actual fuck? Yeah, with multiple versions of... You know, you're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner shot. Producers then go back and shoot the rest of the series. Now, look, I understand this is to guarantee shows can be completed with an outcome if those productions are unexpectedly shut down because of COVID-19. Mock, depending on your point of view, this is another shocking lie by these shows or it's a brilliant idea in difficult circumstances. Which side of the fence are you on? Oh, look, I totally understand from a just, a, again, a revenue point of view to be able to deliver a finished product mm. um, so that, you know, because you're right, production may get shut down and if they're three quarters of the way there, how can they determine it, make it? Because they've got to pay all of those people. You know? If you can, if you can pull episodes early, it, it is so much cheaper than trying to crew up again. And when production yep. starts up, it's going to be very hard to get crews. Oh, impossible! Uh, because, you know, like they, they will be scrambling for crews. And I'm also hearing there's a bit of pressure within the industry in some places for crew members to keep working even if they don't want to, with the Whoa. fear that they won't get employed. After the crisis is over, if that's they abandon, that's rubbish, right? It's like, that's complete. Not cool. It's complete bullshit. Uh, look, Rob, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump in on that because look, I've got a few friends that are crew members that work on a lot of different reality TV shows, and I think that that's something that happens within the heads of them. I think the pressure that they put on themselves, they feel like they need to keep working because they're worried that they're not going to get these jobs back. That's something, as no, I'm saying, comes I'm from sorry. them. I don't... I, I'll 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 give you a a quote. P- crew members have been told that if you um, stay home and, and don't complete the productions, it will be treated like a resignation. And Jeepers. That's outrageous. What network's saying that? Uh, like what production I, company I, is saying I'm that? I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole can of We start of worms. to get into some serious legal issues here. Look, yeah. I, don't, I don't like that approach by any extreme. That's rubbish. Um, I totally get... But also, I'm just going to say what I don't like is, like, we talk about this every week. We talk about the authenticity of shows and how they resonate with the viewers. And if you're going to film something out of whack like that, I feel like you're just you're going against what these shows should be. Like, I'd prefer to see six episodes of the new season of Big Brother that was never finished versus six episodes of Big Brother and then a quickly slapped together finale that mocks us as an audience with the love and support that we have for our favourite contestants. But here's the thing. They've shot it as a backup. So yeah. they've shot it as a backup in case they suddenly get pulled with, I'm assuming, every intention of reshooting the grand finale yeah. if they make when it that far. And, look, I've actually got I, – I, I get it. I understand why they're doing it, even though – you know, like, look at MasterChef, though. They shoot alternate endings every year where... But it's fake. Yeah, the yeah. I know, but that was fake and ridiculous. Well, I've heard they have multiple endings and multiple orgasms on the set of MasterChef, and that's just a teaser wow. for what's coming yeah. up soon. And here we Actually, go. that is worth 
waiting for because coming up, Channel 9 goes all out to destroy its competition. Just wait until you hear what they've done and which dance partner was jumping for joy when they found out they wouldn't have to reunite with their celebrity partner. That part is coming up in the TV Black Vault as well as Ben's other juicy gossip. Find out what it's all about when TV Black Box continues. Too many channels, too many choices. What the hell should I watch? They are the cries from living rooms all around the country, but fret not, Australia. We're here to help. Join me, Dan Bennett, plus Steve Mock, Joe Casamento and Stephen Brook as we clap, slap, group binge and rewind our way through the best and worst of what's on the box in our brand new podcast, TV Binge Box. And we want you to be a part of the show too. Find out how you can become a binge boxer and get all the latest from a bunch of pyjama-clad TV tragics with brand new episodes every Thursday. Interesting, isn't it? I've got to say, I am a big fan of the binge box. I am absolutely loving what you guys are doing, Mulk and Brookie. What shows or show do we need to be watching this week? Oh, well, Robert, look, we haven't even recorded our episode and we're already fighting. (laughs) We're fighting (laughs) over which show we should be featuring. So I I don't think I'm talking out of turn here, Mulk. Censor me if I am. But it seems to be a toss-up between the Ben Cousins interview that went to air on Seven over the weekend and a US drama called Self Made. Mm. Well, we're still sticking with that as our group binge, but we will discuss Ben Cousins coming clean and a whole bunch of other great TV that we have been binging on all week. The TV black box, the binge box is the best podcast you need, probably even before this one. Well, you can just get fucked. Mystery surrounds whether the sale of Seven's Pacific magazines to Bauer will go ahead despite the ACCC approving the $40 million acquisition. Alarm bells started ringing when Bauer Chief Executive Brendan Hill pulled out of scheduled media interviews and failed to return calls from journalists. There are some reports Bauer is looking to reduce its offer in light of the coronavirus. Brookie, you're our senior business correspondent here at TV Black Box. What's going on here? Rob, what is going on here is money. So Mm. it looks like, you know, the world has changed since Bauer agreed this sale from Pacific magazines owned by Seven. It was a key part of James Warburton's strategy as soon as he arrived. One report says that rather than $40 million, Bauer is looking to pay just $20 million. Wow. Which for, you know, an extensive stable of magazines really just, I mean, they may well be trying it on, but it really just goes to show the collapse in the advertising market from the glory days of ACP Mm. and the Australian Women's Weekly being the biggest magazine of any market in the world. So it seems that Bauer is suddenly playing very hard to get after spending quite a few months wooing the ACCC regulator to Mm. get the deal to go ahead. This has caught everyone by surprise because um, our friends at Mumbrella certainly had an interview lined up with um, Brendan Mm. and talked about it on their podcast, how he had just pulled out and they were like saying to him, we will have to report this and just couldn't get anything out of them. So, And it was all very last minute by the way they were talking. So it certainly smells fishy. But meanwhile, the Australian Communications and Media Authority has found Nine breached the Commercial Television Industry Code of Practice after it split a screening of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, into two parts, changing the classification of the movie in the process. Nine broadcast the film in two parts, with the first part modified to suit the PG classification requirement for movies broadcast prior to 8.30pm. The second half of the movie was classified M from 8.35. ACMA chair Nerida O'Loughlin said film classification is intended to regulate broadcast content and assist viewers to make informed decisions about their viewing choices. And this is her quote, Viewers, some of who are children, would have started to watch a PG film then halfway through being expected to choose between missing the end or watching M-rated material. Networks are on notice that this approach is unacceptable and in breach of the code. Whoa, Mok, she is not mincing her words. And she needs to call it straight. This this was one instance of many that uh, Nine particularly dropped this, you know, sort of PG 
roll credits hang about for after the break for the next part, split coded even uh, to make sure that they were seen as separate programs. There was a lot of conversation around TV black box uh, on, mm. you know, on Twitter and, mm. and, you know, social media feeds about it, wondering what the hell was going on. Uh, and very clearly it was just to get around the, the guidelines for this sort of thing. And I applaud them for their creativity, and it has unfortunately bitten them in the ass. I don't applaud them at all. Didn't they do this with Lord of the Rings as well? They sort of split it. They've done it for a few movies, but this is. But the process indicates someone has obviously complained, written to Channel Nine. Channel Nine has Mm -hmm. responded to them. They haven't been happy with Channel Nine's uh, answer, and then it's gone to ACMA. So unless. That process has been carried through. The other times Nine have done it, it won't see, it won't come under the ACMA ruling. Who would have thought anyone would have noticed anyway? I mean, is, have any of you guys seen Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tells No Tales? I mean, it goes on forever and the second half is so dull and boring. I'm pretty sure everyone would have been asleep by the time that came on. <laughs> well, someone no, noticed. No kids that I know would have stayed awake or stayed interested in that movie. I'm sure they would have gone by the time it got all saucy. It just to me seems to suggest that network executives or programmers don't have forgotten how to watch TV. And and as Narita O'Loughlin points out, if you are a kid watching this or with the family and it's PG and then suddenly it's M and you're faced with the choice of, well, are we going to allow this or are we going to send the kid to bed? Um what other sort of choice do families have? Yeah, that's a fair point, Brookie. I mean, in a in the vicious race that it is for eyeballs on screen and the ability to get first-run content or, you know, um, popular content onto our screens when it doesn't meet the guidelines that you would want to get the most eyeballs on it, um, people are making, I won't even call it business decisions, they're making uh, let's get around this rule decision rather than thinking about what the whole purpose of television is, and that is to sit down and enjoy a program, start, woe to go. On a side note, it's really weird when you've seen a movie for years and years and years in its PG format, like European Vacation, Mm. and then all of a sudden you see it on Showtime (laughs) and you're like, oh, my God, there's tits in this movie. (laughs) And the donkey agrees. Yeah. <laughs> is it the donkey or your husband? I forgot to ask that. <laughs> Does oh. the donkey have a name? Uh, that one's Ritzy. Yes. Well, hello, Ritzy, and Ritzy is like the sixth member of TV Black Box tonight. Meanwhile, if you thought the coronavirus would end old rivalries, think again. The Nine Network fired a massive torpedo across the bow of Seven, moving the finale of reality TV juggernaut Married at First Sight to face off against the premiere of House Rules. Married at First Sight was originally intended to air on Wednesday, but will now go head-to-head with House Rules on Sunday. That's assuming Seven don't then move House Rules to Monday, and then will Nine follow suit? Sarah, Nine are not going to give Seven an inch, are they? They're putting their big blockbuster up against the... uh, Seven trying to get a bit of momentum with their next phase of reality TV. I mean, this is the time to go gangbusters, right? When everybody is forced to be at home to watch TV, this is the time to pull That's out it. everything you everything you can. So, I mean, power to them for doing what they can. <laughs> this this is a Samuel L. Jackson move, right? This is a motherfucker of a move because they are absolutely only reason they have done this is to shit on Seven's parade. Absolutely. Um, the only reason. And it's in non-rating. So they moved, again, not that it matters, but they moved the final episode, which is, from everything I've heard inside Nine, outrageous. Like, things oh. are said that are just off the wall crazy. They've moved it from one Wednesday night this week that was meant, when it was meant to air to Sunday out of traditional ratings into traditional Easter ratings break just to crap on house rules. So seven should move. Seven should move its premiere to another day, and be fairly safe in the knowledge that our prime minister will call a press conference, and which will break into the schedules anyway. Uh, and then they could be sitting pretty. Yeah, and look, seven went the. Seven took the big gamble with my kitchen rules up against the tennis final, and it didn't pay off. If you were Channel 7, you would have to think that if Nine doing this, maybe I will move the finale, the, the premiere of House Rules to another night. They can't and move it then again, see what, can they? Well, why yeah, can't they? Can. they? Why can't they? This, 
this reminds me of my foot in grade four. I had a birthday party and my birthday party fell on someone more popular than mine's birthday party. And so what I did, like any smart person, was that I moved my birthday seeing as I was not as popular as my other friend. And, and that's, that's what a life lesson do. for us all, kids. I think there's something in that for all of us, don't you? Well, my birthday's the same day as Jackie Onassis, so you can imagine the problems I've had. Yes, oh, indeed. No. <laughs> well, there's been a passing of the baton with Network 10 launching a new version of the Neighbours theme, now what? sung by cast member Bonnie Anderson. Who? I like it, but Ben, is it a hit or a miss? I think it's fine. Look, I, when I heard <laughs> that it was that's what people happening... are going for. They're going for <laughs> fine. 80%. Look, oh, I don't know. Is, is her, has her parents, like, are they in the business? Like, I don't know. It feels like a favour's been done here. She's a cast I mean, member, it's... so it's a nice tone. So they're, they're yeah. doing back in the old school day in the 80s where everyone sang a song on the show and that's how they launched their pop career in the UK. <laughs> a little okay, bit. Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan. I... What people don't realise with Bonnie Anderson is that Bonnie is actually a alumni from Australia's Got Talent from years ago. Yeah, didn't I she think win? she won. She won. Yeah, she won. Yeah, yeah. And she she's won a got series. The voice. It sounds great. When... And you know what? It's a fine theme song. I, I and mean, if anyone's. I will say it's no Barry Crocker. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Everybody needs good neighbours. Just a friendly yeah. wave each morning. As you know, I'm, I'm the most traditional person here, but I'm going to say something that might surprise you. I think that Bonnie Anderson did a very good job there. I agree. And it's a soap. You've got to move with the times. Mm-hmm. And I, I would quite happily listen to that. It's renewed my interest in the show. Nobody oh, is I would watching say, the show. No, no one. But can I just say, why didn't they get Milsey to do it? I wanted Milsey to do a theme song, but I guess they can't really have him turn into a villain and kill half the cast and then still have him singing the theme song. <laughs> Probably not. Look, in a moment we are going to find out the latest goss with Ben as we open the TV Black Vault, but first I thought it might be good to hear about the newest free-to-air channel about to launch in Australia. Nine Rush will hit the airwaves on Sunday, April 5, and I caught up with the two executives who made it happen. Nine's program director... Director Hamish Turner and Nine's Director of Network Scheduling, Jeff Dyer. Gentlemen, welcome to TV Black Box. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. Hamish, the launch of a new channel, Nine Rush, it's it's an exciting thing to launch a new channel, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's always great to be able to see something that starts in, you know, very much kind of planning, planning terms, kind of uh, materialise into something that is living and breathing and... Uh, you know, that goes from making the promo to actually seeing it go to air. So, yeah, it's, it's been obviously uh, a long time in the making and it's great to see it go to air on uh, April 5th. Now, Jeff, you are the numbers man. You were behind the strategy of this new channel. Tell me what your thinking was. Yep, it was in our current configuration, we don't really have a channel that specifically targets sort of mid-range men. Mm. It's uh, it's a demographic that we're missing. So when the uh, opportunity came up to have access to all of this content in one hit and form a fully functioning channel out of it, we thought that that would be a good way to just form the channel straight away. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because you've you've hit the female demos with Nine Gem, you've got the younger market with uh, Nine Go, but really this is the bloke channel that's been missing from your lineup. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I think the thing is, the thing is, and it's a very hard demographic to get outside of live sport. Uh, really hard to kind of get uh, that broad-reaching men 25 to 54. And I think the thing that Discovery provides is, and as Jeff's talked about previously, it, it's a, a fantastic destination for this style of content and, and world-class content that sits in the male-skewing reality space. 
So to be able to get access to all this content and to build one channel and one destination for it, it was an opportunity that we couldn't uh, we couldn't let go. Well, it's always hard to get an amount of uh, critical a critical amount of content to launch a channel as well, as opposed mm. to piecing it together ad hoc. That's a very good point, actually. And so, how long have you been working on this, Jeff? Because uh, you are launching strong with a lot of content. Uh, Hugh has been having conversations about this for, for a long time, and, and probably even prior to that, we had been chasing discovery to get access to a lot of this content that had only ever sat behind a paywall. Right. Hamish, does this new channel mean that when when sport eventually does come back in this country um, and you've got some sporting fixtures, fixtures like some footy games that would sometimes get, or cricket that would sometimes get, pushed onto nine gem would that now go to this new channel no definitely not this is uh this is a, a joint venture with uh, discovery and will will we'll be ostensibly uh that kind of male skewing reality style content you won't see us uh shoot off into kind of male skewing movies or sport mm-hmm. uh at this stage very much it's built off the back of that that content Okay. Uh, Jeff, talk to me about the numbers. Having an, what does having an extra multi-channel do for your network share? Well, certainly adding any incremental share to our overall aggregate is excellent. Uh, we've had to obviously manage the channel to make sure that none of that audience sort of comes from our pre-existing channels, which is why Discovery was such an exciting proposition because we just don't really have this content in any way, shape or form on our mm. current channel. Um, and is that important that you're not cannibalising your other audience? You're chasing audiences from other networks and other channels. Oh, look, I think we're just trying to... to provide alternative for men on free-to-air TV and our hope would be that this is going to bring more men back to -to free-to-air TV who have potentially been underserved for a while. And and Hamish, what kind of programs are we talking about here? I know there's the UK version of Top Gear. Uh, What else are we looking at that will be big drivers for audiences? Well, I think the, the big the big franchises for Discovery are things like Naked and Afraid, things like uh, Gold Rush. We've got the spin-off Parker's Trail, mm-hmm. Top Gear, as, as you discussed. It's the brand-new Top Gear with Freddie Flintoff. Obviously, we've got Freddie on Ninja Warrior, so it kind of makes, makes sense. Um, you know, Alaskan Bush people, we've got a whole raft. Well, I think what Jeff can probably talk to is that the great thing about the Discovery Con is you can build nights and you can build destinations. Ah. So what... What we've done is created and curated nights across the schedule, which I think, Jeff, you could probably talk to now. Yeah. Uh, just due to the depth of that back catalogue of, of Discovery, we've been able to just thematically assemble the nights. So Sunday with uh, Top Gear, Million Dollar Car Hunters and Salvage Hunters, classic car, a bit of best of British motoring. Monday with uh, Gold Rush Parker's Trail and Bering Seagull, a bit of buried treasure. Uh, Tuesday with Man vs Wild, Running Wild with Bear Grylls and Naked and Afraid, bit of survival, best of survival. Oh. Uh, when, Wednesday is Diesel Brothers, Misfit Garage and Kindig Customs, which focuses on uh, groups of people that bring rusty wrecks back to kind of stunning show cars. Uh, Thursday is Shifting Gears and Street Outlaws. It's kind of your outlaw street racing kind of night. It's not really about before and afters of, of cars. <laughs> Great. Uh, Friday, Friday is uh, Cops UK body cam into the live PD, which has been a hit to A&E. Yes. And then Saturday is uh, kind of your off-the-grid survival with Alaskan Bush People, which is one of the biggest new shows for Discovery, uh, Homestead Rescue and Alaska, the, the Last Frontier. So it's sort of all those big themes that, that Discovery have hit are, are there and there's kind of a core piece of each night that's one of their biggest franchises. Destinations within a destination. Very good, Hamish. Um, talk to me about how you sell a new channel because we're getting into a very cluttered marketplace. You're not only fighting other multi-channels, you're fighting streaming services. How do you make a new channel stand out? Well, I think the thing for us is that... you. It's consistency, and so I think it's really about providing consistency to that audience that are going to be fans of this content. So at any on any night, they can tune in and get something that's going to serve to their tastes mm. and what that audience is looking for. Um, I think what we've probably been guilty of way back when we first launched things like Go and Gem was that they were a bit of a hodgepodge of shows. Mm-hmm. They were assembled from content that we had rights to uh, already, 
what we did do, obviously, with life, and I think what Seven did very well with Seven Mate, was created a destination and created um, a suite of, of shows that kind of made sense together. Uh, and so I think that really helps. And it's a little bit of a long-term play because you obviously then have to um, deliver that consistency and hope that it becomes that destination and that, that default of choice for that audience. Uh, in the short term for us, um, you know, it's, it's create a cracking promo, create a promo that cuts through in the market, have good marketing around it, uh, leverage the talent that sits within the shows like Bear Grylls, like Freddie Flintoff, um, and really talk to those shows that might have uh, an awareness outside of um, of, uh, of just, uh, you know, those big brands. So uh, I think it's, it's a multi-pronged attack, but I think, you know, patience is a big part of this. Patience is embedding a schedule, delivering those nights that have themes um, and creating, you know, uh, that destination for that audience. Jeff, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, and, and that's part of the benefit of, of the depth of Discovery's catalogue is that these nights can exist for a year or years. They're, mm. they're not something that's going to be cycling kind of every month or two months as you as you play 10 episodes or something and then have to find a new destination for that night. These shows all have deep catalogues. And I think the other thing, the other thing worth noting is that you know when we talk about the target audience, you know it's fair to say this is this is a male skewed audience, 25 to 54 year olds. Um, <clears throat> I think the thing is that yeah, with those other channels, we were kind of a lot broader. So Go mm. and Gem start off a lot broader. Go did skew younger, and now I think we've refined definitely who that audience is. Uh, but with the with this channel, you don't necessarily have to have a big, broad audience watching. You have to just ensure that you've got that core audience watching so that from a sales perspective, you can sell that proposition and sell that at a premium because you're delivering a core audience to that advertiser without the, without the wastage. And how important is that to um, the advertisers knowing the demo that you're going to deliver and, you know, as you said, it's not about mass audiences, it's, it's about delivering that demo audience. Um, what does that mean to an advertiser? And, and I assume and I gather it's an um, audience they're really chasing. Yeah, 100%. If you can, if you can articulate an audience that you're chasing... Uh, to an advertiser, it makes it very clear to them exactly what you're going after. The type, the tone and the treatment of the channel as well is obviously really important from their perspective. Um, and it also just is a bit of a go-to for them to top up a lot of their buyers to deliver the reach that they're trying to do, uh, trying to get targeting a specific audience. I think the thing we said before was that sport is, you know, where this audience currently sits for us. But outside of sport, there's a real hole. Um, and so there is real value in doing this. And I think the other thing for us is that not only does it deliver a new channel that will live stream on Nine now, but it also delivers a whole raft of content that um, can be uh, watched on Nine now. There's actually content that isn't being played on linear that is even more kind of within that kind of niche space. Mm. So kind of that may be more science-driven that you can then create rails and create a destination on Nine Now and then use Nine Rush as a way to advertise back to Nine Now and vice versa. So, um, yes, it's going to be a fantastic channel and a great destination for that audience, but then also within Nine Now, within the VOD space, um, you know, increases our reach there, increases the daily active users going to the platform um, and grows the whole pie. At the moment, Nine Now is very much a, uh, you know, skews very much female. Things like Married at First Sight, uh, Love Island, very much young, very much female. Uh, this should broaden that reach, increase the footprint and deliver a far greater offering for our, um, for our clients and audience. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's an SD channel, isn't it? Will it end up going to HD or will it stay at SD? I haven't got enough bandwidth at the moment, but, yep. uh, yeah, it is SD at launch. <clears throat> and, and how important is the multi-channels to a network? Uh, I think the multi-channels really fills out that world, and I think the, the thing that, you know, when Ginge first launched Go, it was about providing an alternative to, you know, the other offerings that are out there. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, it's a sum of all parts, but the more refined you can get with each of those channels, the more value they become. So it really plays back into that, you know, your core target audience, ensure that each of those channels are targeting a very specific audience. And then you have that in mind when, A, you're buying content, or B, you're doing deals like this where you get a whole raft of content. I think Jeff and I are very much on the same page that if you can do these deals 
with these distributors and deliver a whole raft of content, it just makes life a lot easier. I mean, if you're out there trying to buy ad hoc off the market, uh, it's not an easy game and increasingly is becoming harder. Um, so I think in this world of fragmentation, I think the ability to target an audience with a, with a raft of content and having that that can run for multiple years uh, is, is a real godsend. Well, Hamish and Jeff, it's an exciting time, as I said at the beginning of this, launching a brand new channel. Good luck with it all, and thanks for being on TV Black Box. Thanks, Rob. Enjoy the Thank you uh, very much. Fashion. <laughs> all right. Now it's time to guess who, but don't sue as we open the TV Black Vault. Ben. <laughs> thanks, Rob. I'm going to kick this off with our first one, which is which reality TV star has had enough of their overzealous producers telling them what to do? The final straw was apparently the strict new guidelines that banned them from seeing anyone outside of production. If this is the case, it might be time to say goodbye to a much-loved uh, personality. Wow. What, oh, I what love do you mean banned from seeing anyone outside the production? Well, they're probably trying to save them for coronavirus. I'm saying that they're keeping these people that are on that show locked in their houses and they're not allowed to go out and see anyone and they are only seeing two producers that uh, work with them on the show. Right. <laughs> Moving on to number two, which dancer from the most recent series of Dancing with the Stars was overcome with joy when they found out they would not have to reunite with their celebrity Ooh. partner in the final episode? TV Black Box understands the professional dancer has never been so grateful at losing a spot on oh, television. I bet I know who this is. <laughs> oh, I bet I know who this is. <laughs> and number three, my sources are telling me that there is not just the heat in the kitchen of this year's MasterChef. My spies have been telling me it's getting hotter in the bedroom as some of the contestants get steamy away from the cameras. Brookie, this is for you. <laughs> this is better than Ros Reigns. This is outstanding. <laughs> Married at first sight is being left for dead by MasterChef this year as they seem more like Melrose Place reboot than any other TV show on the network. Let me tell you, there's no building blowing up at the end of it from Dr. Kimberly Shaw, but there's definitely some body fluids being exchanged. Oh! I just had an image of the opening. Yaha, Yoko. Will somebody be serving up for you some young guy? (laughs) Well, that brings us. We've got to abort this episode right now. That brings us to the end of this week's TV Black Box. The coronavirus needs to end because we are getting way too loose and none of us have even had a drop of alcohol. Next week, I am bringing wine and lots of it. In the meantime, for all your big TV exclusives, go to tvblackbox.com.au while we still have an industry. We will see you next week. Ben, Brookie, Mulk and the lovely Sarah. And Ritzy, we love you. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 <laughs>